0: To change systems, you have to focus on a system, not the system, because if you try to take on the system, it's just an amorphous blob that you can't figure out how to pick at. But you can get at individual systems one at a time, and that at least is a place to start.
1: Welcome to a special CEO.World podcast series, Money and
0: Power, with Joy Anderson, founder of the Criterion Institute, and Vicki Saunders, founder of CEO. Systems and patterns of power and money are sometimes hard to see. Joy and Vicki identify the systems that make up this world and the money and power dynamics within them so that we can better understand how to transform
1: our world. Good morning. Good morning. In this crazy new world, it is a day of 12 hours of Zoom calls, isn't it? That is becoming people's norm at the moment.
0: It is absolutely the norm. Yeah, one of the things that
1: we write in
0: our values, right? So, these values of grace, hospitality, and invitation, part of the theme behind those is to recognize that the world is already connected. The question is, how do you make that visible? And I actually think these 12 hours of Zoom calls are an interesting case in that of, is there a different way that we can see ourselves as connected?
1: What I witness anyway, is that people have 12 hours of calls, but they're not reflecting on what happens in between and after and before those calls, because you can't actually witness those systems if you're running on a hamster wheel through it. You have to step back and go, what did I just notice in that call? Why why was I feeling that I didn't want to join? And then I got on it and it reminded me of what? Oh, I needed to be connected, but I wasn't aware of it. I think there's this reflection piece, I believe, is what we're now having more time for. It seems like anyway, when I'm talking to people, mm-hmm. uh, to notice what we're in. Before people were like just blindly running through this thing, like five years ago, and I'm like, hey, systems are, well, they're not broken because they're designed this way but it's not working. People be like, really? And now everyone's like, oh my God, this childcare thing isn't figured out. Oh my God, frontline workers, right. what are we doing? Oh my God, like it's all in front of us now. And because yeah. we've had to slow down to pay attention to it. Some people were already paying attention, but right. this is a collective like, OMG, this is not working.
0: It's an interesting question of, are they turning that reflection individually to the individual, to their community, or to broader
1: systems? Well, probably all, a bit of, depending on where you are.
0: Yeah, depending on where you are and what you're seeing. The sort of question of how do you inspire people in the moment of personal and community crisis to pay attention to bigger systems? And and not everybody has to, right? It's not a mandate that everybody right. work at the level of a system. There's all kinds of different ways to work.
1: This is really interesting because. One of the things I've witnessed over the last few years is many people in the past, because of our individual's culture and bias, think they're the only person experiencing X. Right. And when you get into community, you're like, oh, you too. Oh my God, you too. And you too. And you too. Right. And so that's when we start to realize the system a little bit, because you get on a call and all of a sudden 14 moms are like, oh my God, how are you dealing? You and your husband are at right. home and the kids are running around and like, how do we get anything done? And then when you see the collective impact of that, you're like, how do we shift that? Right. But when we're in an individualist culture, it's a really good strategy to keep us separated because we'll never change anything. <laughs>
0: yeah, and now that the the all bets
1: are off. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The, the patterns underneath it are, are not as visible. When you're only focusing on yourself and right. just getting ahead yourself. But yeah. when, you're, when you're in this like now, kind of strangely, isolated force collective. <laughs> yeah, so there's more recognition of it. And then presumably as this continues and deepens, uh, there will be more and more desire to shift. But I think that's going to take a bit of time to deepen, depending on where you are.
0: I've been writing this strategy document for one of our partners around how to do a gender analysis of market systems. That This sort of seems like it's my every, well, that's, I think that's been my day every day for a long time of, some days it feels like it's this, which are a very tense piece of metal that you have to bend in new direction to say, see the connection between gender patterns and market systems. Because it's not something that we know how to do. Figure out how to show that you can pay attention to structural inequities and pay attention to the environment. And how do you do that? But that means there's all kinds of this sort of conscious choice. So one is the ability to see the inequitable patterns within the market systems. And even that ability to see them, to see that the risk analysis that underlines pricing in whatever fucking financial system we're talking about has a bias towards data that is, quote unquote, normal, but norm is male. And therefore it's not actually about the full norm is is male and, and white and all kinds of other things. And so everybody else's experience isn't calculated into that risk analysis. So whatever it is over and over again, sort of being able
1: to see it, to one, see that change. And then the second is to figure out what the hell to do about it. So I hear gender analysis on a market system. Mm-hmm. And then I, in my brain, I go, market system, not working, needs to be redesigned. Right. Therefore, doing gender analysis on market system is part of the problem. Bear with me for a moment, mm-hmm. because I we actually that. need a different system, right? right, right. And, so, and then I go, you can't get there from here, and in my head. <laughs> right. And then I hear bias towards data, and I'm like, we're missing the warm data, Nora Bateson, because right. we, we only have one kind of data. So we're only looking at one kind of data, and we're missing all of the connective tissue And the power lies in the relationship between things, like our last podcast, which was unbelievable, talking about relationships. And so because we have no data or no recognized way of tracking data or even naming what it is in the relationship between things, which is where all of the shifts need to happen, we can't get there from here. If we're just looking at traditional data and going, hey, let's pop a gender gender analysis on top of this thing. And even your comment about environment and gender at the same time, doing them both together, it's because the underlying structure separates them that we then have to go back and go, hey, but in context, they're together. But Mm -hmm. we decontextualize them, so we're kind of screwed. And so to try and put the pieces back together and put it into context isn't working that well for us. And it's been really hard, and everyone keeps going, you need more data, you need more data. And it's because we've decontextualized the crap out of stuff. So Mm -hmm. I wonder you know, sort of Ella, how I went about disrupting VC essentially. What if we said, what is the system design that set up, these things are definitely not taken apart. So you never have to make the case for why gender matters because it's built in. That's kind of where I've been sitting. And after that call yesterday, that's, I walked away feeling that. I'm like, I kind of feel like it was partly because I'm not understanding the levels of abstraction. And I'm wondering if that's part of the problem. Like uh-huh. I live very much in concrete land at the bottom of the ladder of abstraction, of like doingness in relationship, et cetera. And I get very confused when we abstract up to the top uh, and we get to that level. It's very confusing for me. I have a really hard time having that conversation with everybody because it's taken away from that relationship in my mind. It may not be like there are relationships and interdependencies up at the abstract level, but I have a harder time comprehending it Sorry, and
0: that, just some feedback
1: oh, on that paragraph. Yeah, no,
0: I, I think it's 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 cool because I I think the um I remembered where I was headed with this, which was
1: mm-hmm.
0: if you do it. So I'll, I'll let me let me play yeah. back. I've written down what you said, but if you do a gender analysis of market systems to understand the power dynamics within the market system, mm, that's good. Yeah, that's sort of what a gender analysis is, is to sort of understand how the power dynamics operate within a market system. One thing that happens in that is that you've denaturalized the system, right? Because you've decided that it is a system that works in a certain way. The second thing is, one of the things about I love about thinking about market systems in particular is it lets you move from the system to systems. Transportation in a market is a system, right? Whether or not there are roads, whether or not there are planes, a friend of mine can't seem to get out of India, like the planes are not working. So one is within a market, transportation is a system, so is policy. So a market system facilitates trade at a distance when trust at a personal level is not possible, right? Because market systems rely on trust It facilitate trade at a distance. That's essentially a local market is, you know, if you, you could have a local market and if all of us could work in our own community and buy and sell from our own community, we could, have local, we could have trust because we knew the person. But as yeah. soon as you are trading at a distance, you need market systems to facilitate trust. For example, we, I actually, this was part of my history background, but at, at some point, we had to create standards around flour. And there was a series of uh, legislative actions that were taken in the 1830s in the United States to basically figure out, how do you decide what flour is and what are the different grades? And so that if we're trading flour at a distance and you're selling me something that has a, a different weight because it's really heavy and really dense and hasn't been milled as finely, mm-hmm. and you compare it everywhere, yeah. it's just sort of like how do we expect currency is about trading at a distance. So, when you think about a market system, you do have to abstract it to a certain level because it is at the level of, of facilitated trade at a distance.
1: I like I get that that's what we've done. That's why that line of, you know, the market system is actually facilitating how we do that at a distance. And it's all based on perception. This is the thing. I remember my dad was a stockbroker for a number of years when I was a kid. And he would always, I'd be like, Can you explain to me again? And I'm like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. <laughs> right. Like I kept, I, for some reason, just never have gotten the markets that way. And it was partly, but I'm like, isn't that a house of cards? Then, if people decide that it's not working, that it's all gone. Yeah. Yes. That's right. what? I don't understand. Like what, <laughs> you know? And so I don't know if it's me yearning for more concreteness or some, there's something in there that's anyway, it's always been a sticky thing for me. So building on that, just, yeah. so if we take
0: this trust piece So if we have all of these systems that we have built, they are not natural systems. They are not how the market, quote unquote, there isn't some naturalized market, right? So we have this huge problem that we naturalize markets all the time as if they have their own force versus being constructed by a set of market systems. So the second piece is to then identify that there are systems and then analyze the power dynamics within them so that you can prioritize which ones, I mean, this is the classic systems language, but where you have leverage to change them. What are all of the market systems that affect an entrepreneur's company? That they rely on functioning. An entrepreneur is running a business in a food business that sells organic food. They rely on the supply chain that allows the raw materials. They rely on a system of... Of trade, however, that happens, where they are able to distribute their goods. They, I mean, you could go through on and on and on. They rely on a banking system, all of the different systems that need to be in place. If they are quote unquote not working, you do have to isolate which one's not working and which one do you actually have leverage to change. Because this this is why I don't like thinking about capitalism, because capitalism feels like a big in abstract terms, yeah, I don't know how to take down capitalism, right. but I know how to address rules within banking systems that are discriminatory. You can't blow up the whole thing. I, I, well, you probably could. Be,
1: but <laughs> I, no, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. Yes, yeah. right. And so, so then you. The question
0: is, which market system is the most egregious? then the next question is if that is the system that's either, either it's most egregious or it's most causal like you have to do that analysis to then say how do we pick at different systems versus blow up the whole system we can't blow up the whole
1: system well we have to transition there has to be some way that we're going to something new right like we know that right but i guess what i'm hearing underneath this a little bit this is so helpful by the way <laughs> i'm feeling so much smarter talking to you today so I have never heard you say this before, and maybe I've just missed this, but like, we are doing a gender analysis so that we can understand the power dynamics so we can shift systems. Like, that whole thing makes a lot of sense to me. And then I step back and go, yeah, so we're doing this gender analysis. We, I'll say like you, are doing this gender analysis so you can transform systems, but like, government X one of our favorite governments, is doing a gender analysis, but I don't think it's to change systems. I don't think that, like, do you think everyone's Uh sitting there going, oh, we're here to change, like, maybe that's why we're having a problem here, because we're doing a gender analysis, and they're like, yep, we did a gender analysis, no, 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 keep going, we're doing this because we want to shift the power dynamics to change the systems, and the guys are like, "Uh, no, thank you, this is fine. Right now we're being forced into it, but, like, that's where my head went in that sentence. (laughs) No,
0: I, I hear you, and so two points on that. One is, you look at the power dynamics, say what's going on in these power dynamics, what needs to change, and then you have to come up with a strategy to change it. The challenge that we've gotten to is, and this is a particularly isolated situation, it's not like lots of people are wandering around doing a gender analysis and then not doing anything about it, but, well, I mean, I suppose lots of people are, but the deal with Global Affairs Canada and the Canadian government overall My one defense of them is that the very fact that they call for a gender analysis is amazing. Yeah. Is a starting place. Yeah. And if the world doesn't know what to do with that yet, that's a a process. Yeah. It's a process, right? So, step one if we're not doing the gender analysis at all, then we are completely blind. So, we might be moving to aware. Okay, maybe sometimes we're going to be adaptive to say, "Oh, wow! Well, we should have daycare so entrepreneurs can go to that thing." And but we yeah. haven't gotten to transformative, right? To do that, yeah. gener- that classic continuum of sort of blind, aware, adaptive, transformative. Where we're stuck is particularly in impact investing, all the shit, you know, sort of all of our work on market systems. We might get to aware. We rarely get past adaptive to transformative. Because of this trust thing, market systems are so powerful and intractable and hard to shift because we wouldn't know how to get out of bed if we couldn't trust them. There is a level of fear, uncertainty. So we're starting these conversations with churches who have assets, like people who have more than $200 million of assets in, in church organizations, with a basic argument to say, What are the questions that you should ask in your next endowment meeting that aren't, oh my God, my endowment went down. Right, yeah. And when will it go up? Like what other questions are we asking? How do we get a groundswell of people asking their financial advisors? What is the question that we can ask instead? Because the trust question is, I gave my financial manager this money and they said they could navigate they could navigate the ups and downs. I had an asset allocation that said I would be protected in a downturn because I diversified my assets. That is modern portfolio right. theory yeah. is a system that we have come to trust. So the question is, how do we start questioning the systems that, that, yeah. that we trust? On this phone call yesterday, talking yeah. to Somebody who works in a big bank, who's literally saying, right, we're writing a different white paper every day to be able to talk about what the future post, you know, in the recovery looks like. Wow, that's terrifying, right? Yeah, it they, totally is. No idea. Yeah. We don't want there to be no idea. We want to make sure our pensions are in place. We want to make sure that there's assets in a bank. Often in finance, those are the areas that we get most conservative about, because, like, wow, we can't fuck with that. The question, though, is if we start by saying, all right, what are what are the market systems, what are the power dynamics in each of these market systems, and knowing that disrupting them, challenging them, even naming that they're biased will undermine trust that people need to have, right, to your father's stockbroker yeah. question, what if we all stopped believing in the yeah. market, so that we can start picking off a system, a market system, not the whole system, but a piece of it that we think we can mess with. One of the things people keep asking me to do right now, and I'm like, I don't know. They're like, yeah. Joy, you need to sort of do an um, influence map. People keep asking me like, what is the influence that you have right now? And yeah. I know how important that question is. I'm right. like, oh, fucking idea. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the question is, how do we then figure out how much
1: influence would we need to be able to change a system? Because we have to actually choose to do it. Yeah, you have all the influence you need. We all have the influence we need to change the system. The question is, in what direction? Because I keep going this, like, if we're going to question modern portfolio theory, then to what end? Like, I got, I got an email yesterday from Impact Alpha. I don't know if you get there daily, saying, it's time to 10x impact investing. And I'm like, what the actual F is that? Like, okay, it's time to quadruple down 10 times down on something that was like never really even existed. Great. (laughs) Like my theory underneath impact investing is why it never really happened is because we're trying to get market rate returns plus and all this impact, which we haven't agreed how to track yet or measure, but like, let's do both of those things together. So first of all, the first one's not working well. Our returns are all effed up and messy and our system is not working well there. And now let's just add on all of the social impact we want without being able to articulate what the warm data of that is. And so it's good, let's do that, let's grow that. So of course it hasn't grown because there's no collective, it's kind of like when people said to me years ago, the reason the not-for-profit sector is like so challenging, there's not a shared vision around what it's about. Because a shared vision is profit, make a profit. And in the not-for-profit sector, one organization over another thinks they care more about poverty than the other one, or differently. And therefore that never aggregates or creates an impact because it's just like, there's no shared vision around where you're going. And so I wonder, like the shared vision of where we're going is is what we're going to have to figure out here. What do we value in the new world? What do we value going forward? We already know how to make a crap load of money. We've got, we've figured that out. But like friends of ours are stuck in Turks and Caicos and they've got like all of the offshore capital in the world, but they can't eat it and they're running out of food. So now it's like, okay, we figured out how to, assuming that we could just grow all this money because it would buy everything because we've monetized the crap out of everything and clear cut communities. But like, uh uh-oh. It doesn't quite work.
0: So what I love about you, Vicky, you have an amazing ability to jump way the hell out to the future and say, here's the vision of what we want it to look like. You know, I think CEO is an amazing experiment in actually realizing realizing what if it would look like if it was the new system, That right? Just to have an experiment to say, this is what it could be, yeah. right? I, I love that. Oh, I'm um, hearing the but coming. But. No, I, I, I do. I just, I, I love yeah. it. And yeah. I have a very hard time jumping past all of that to what does it look like in the future? Yeah. Because I'm very stuck in the how do we get there? This is a both and, right? So yeah. you can name and call forth a vision of the future that says, this is broken. We need to be someplace different. And in your incredibly inspiring way. I want to follow you. Yeah, I see where that is and I want to follow you there. The both and is what will get us there because this kind of very pedestrian, you know, back to my market and gender analysis of of market systems is because in the end, we kind of have to pick them off one at a time, figure out what does it take to change them, figure out what the ripple effect is because gender lens investing, impact investing, I think all of these different, Efforts are just experiments in change. Before that, social investing in sort of community finance is still an experiment, ongoing experiment. Social responsible investing was experiments. And all of us are kind of saying, and I actually celebrate all of them, whether or not they work or not.
1: For yeah, me. no, but they're pieces of the puzzle on the path.
0: They're pieces yeah. of the puzzle. And so we're experimenting with a change strategy
1: because change is really hard. And yes. at some level, we have to keep practicing it. I like to call you on what you just said, because I don't think it's actually true. Are
0: you going to call me on the visionary thing? What did I just oh, I...
1: Yeah. Well, and and also just that you're stuck. I'm like, let well, me just call BS on that one. So look, the who the fuck knows how to get anywhere? Like, we have no idea. And I, a friend of mine said to me the other day, nobody follows a person who doesn't know where they're going. I'm like, hello. That's what happens every day at CEO. You know, I have no idea where we're going. And she goes, Yeah, but you can stand there and say that. I mean, I have a sense of this is possible, right? I have a very strong sense that this is possible. This right. is a conversation we had last week. I asked you, What do you know to be true? What do you know? And you said that it is possible. And then I posted on Facebook, That's great. Now we just have to figure out what it is. <laughs> we both know it is possible. What's it? Right. Uh, it literally is possible. So part of the thing is just like direct us collectively. We need to. Direct ourselves towards a future that has, you know, simple principles underneath it of like real democracy and you know simplicity and like we know that everything's way too complex and we've made it crazy. Those pieces and then trust that we will collectively get there. Nobody knows how. And you have that capacity as well to like stand up in a room and everyone's like, I'm gonna follow her. But you don't have to give people the roadmap. I mean, some people need a roadmap, but then they're just not the early adopters. You need people that'll get on the road with you who don't need the map and tell me exactly what's going to happen. They show up in years four, five, six, seven, not in the first few. Part of the thing for me that I wonder about with this, like if you went to the end of your sentence of you've done a ton of gender analysis on the power dynamics in these existing systems, what are the leverage points you're starting with? You've been doing brilliant experimentations with churches. What is that telling you about how we get there? Like you've got a piece from that. We need direction. My friend Alex always says this great line. He says, at drift, drifting, drift has direction, Mm -hmm. whether or not you know that. So if you're not pointing in a certain place, you are going somewhere. How do we direct ourselves towards something a little different? And I don't think it's like doubling down on the market system. I don't think that's the direction we want to be going in. And I don't know know exactly how to articulate the simplicity of what direction, but anyway.
0: I just want to really reaffirm the point of like, so, you said double down on the market system. I actually don't mean the market system. Yeah. I mean little market systems that manage markets. Because yeah. no matter what, we are going to need to have markets. Yes, absolutely. Like markets have existed in every economy, full stop. Yeah. We will always need to have systems that manage markets. That is different than, you know, like the market or capitalism, these sort of naturalized terms, that they need to be component pieces. So, anyway, just to keep that front in mind, because otherwise, everything sounds like it's the big system. There is a stuckness feeling in the midst of change because the change hasn't happened, especially in systems change, right? Like if I am trying to change a system, one of my mentors, this project manager in a pension fund, learned more from him than most people. He used to say I would, he would simply wait and watch until he could walk through it's what you said at the beginning of this of this conversation. Yeah. We're stuck at home and therefore we're watching more carefully. That is actually a really important part of systems change because if you're not, if you're not paying attention, if you're not watching, you're not waiting, that feeling of stuckness is mind-numbingly hard and frustrating, but it's also important because we could just run through it get to the other side and say, today, I changed it. Oh, and this is what I think impact investing is. I think everybody took steroids, ran really fast to get to the other side and then looked back and said, maybe we didn't actually change that system. (laughs) Maybe we
1: We just added a thing on top of it. Yeah.
0: Same thing happened in gender lens investing, right? Like, oh my gosh, let's run with women on boards. And now we're looking back going, okay, we have a lot of products that look at women on ports. Did we actually change anything so that yeah.
1: power dynamics that, still the same? Yeah.
0: Power dynamics are still the same. We didn't actually disrupt any particular system. We yeah. just used it to put a different wash on it. And I'm not saying that those things aren't important. It's just
1: making yeah. race
0: through it a little bit.
1: Well, that's, so that's helpful because yeah, I was interpreting that you weren't doing an amazing experiment because you were stuck on how to get there. That's what I heard you right. say, which is not true. I see you doing experiments every day, all day. You're in experiments continuously yeah. practicing and you don't know where we're going. Like yeah. we don't really, we're stuck right at the moment, obviously between two systems. Like we've got this old world model that's not working anymore based on, you know, like scarcity. And we're going to this other place that nobody really knows what it looks like. And one of the things to do, and that is not in action, but certainly to pause on just go create more of the same female version of the existing broken thing right. all that stuff
0: so the question is you know drift is the direction you know the sense of being stuck that one of the questions that i have been asking for a long time is in this moment of stuckness which is celebrating the stuckness, right? So we're stuck, we're in isolation, we're stuck in isolation, we're stuck at home right now. But that stuckness in systems change is also a moment when you are forced to stand still and pay attention. So when I was in my twenties, all my friends were traveling the world and I was in New York City working at one job. So I stayed at one job for the first 10 years of my career. None of my friends did. They all like, I'm off to Nepal. I'm like, I'm here in Brooklyn. And I said, the thing is, if I stand in one place and turn slowly, the world will change so I don't actually need to travel, right? So that my attention to the place that I was at allowed me to see an enormous number of things. So that kind of celebrating standing in one place and watching carefully, and maybe that's what we're all doing in isolation right now. The question that I keep asking though is, How do we know, since we're not really totally sure what the it actually looks like, how do we know if we're moving in the right direction? Particularly on market systems, because I think there's a, particularly work in markets, work in finance, what does the new economy look like? What is that? I think we have, as, as we can name that vision, and I actually don't spend a whole lot of time detailing exactly what that looks like. What I wanna know is, how do I know I'm moving in the right direction? I remember um, a, a very famous theologian, this guy, Walter, Walter Brueggemann, really amazing guy. He wrote a book called The Theological Imagination. He was speaking at a small workshop someplace where he was talking about the economy and he's gotten interested in all these questions. And so in the back of the room, I raised my hand I said, all right, how do we know we're moving in the right direction? He said, there's one thing to look at which is, are we reducing poverty? And I was like, oh, bullshit, really? Because like reducing poverty, like that's some simple indicator (laughs) that we can all look at. I thought it was the most unrealistic answer. And in that moment, it came to me, I was like, no, it's about, are we disrupting systems of power? Are we challenging power in relationships? Because what I do know is the only way we're moving in the right direction is that we are challenging power. Because if we aren't doing that, if we aren't pushing at the system and saying, if we aren't looking at what systems are making sure we stay in, yeah. in the sort of being inequities, then blow up those particular moments. And we don't know it will go, with, but I do know that if we are not transforming power in relationships, we're not getting where we need to go. And so often what I see people see what, what people say is that change, like this is again back to not beef on impact investing. I felt like the people who had power before consolidated power, but just added social good to it without totally. actually changing the power dynamics. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the people who were in authority before added a new data set about outcome metrics, and said, ah, voila, I've yeah, now created social yeah. change, but we didn't disrupt the power dynamics. Totally. 100%. And so that's how I know if I'm moving in the
1: right direction. Is that- no, I love that. That's great. It's interesting because I, I had a call yesterday with one of our Indigenous entrepreneurs, and she was on a dreaming call with us last week, and we and we ended up talking about follow-on funding and CEO around this thing and And my reluctance to just step into this because there's like all this, so many people are like, it's time, it's time. I'm like, not with those designs. That just sounds like the past. And something just clicked with her and she asked me for a call. And she said yesterday, I've always felt so uncomfortable with, uh, like she goes, I've built up this company and I've always felt so uncomfortable that just because someone has a big bank account, I should give them a chunk of my company when they haven't done anything. That just doesn't feel right to me. (laughs) And I was like, yes. And I can imagine almost everyone I know going, yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> that was wrong with that. That's the way it's supposed to work. And like viscerally, that does not feel right to me either. And it didn't feel right to her. And that to me, I'm like, ooh, excellent. Here's someone who's like looking around her and going, that's just not good enough. Like, I want another way. I want another path. And so.
0: Coming yeah. back though is what instead? Yeah, well, of right. course. The innovation of then what instead is where these experiments are so important.
1: Totally. And I just, I think uh, personally that just saying that isn't good enough and then engaging in a conversation with people to collaborate on it is the path, right? Like that's the point. It's just like, okay, so now let's all agree that's not good enough and start moving together towards a solution, right? It's the same thing with when COVID hit on our very first venture call with all of our ventures from around the world on somebody said out loud what if we didn't lose any jobs and none of the ventures went down what if we committed as a group that that was a possibility and in a parallel universe at the same time people were on calls where they said preserve your cash flow and cut your teams and every, and your burn as much as possible those are two possibilities out of a situation the setting your intention for i want to go in this direction And then seeing what surfaces, it's kind of magic sauce. Like they're inside people, they are are wanting a different outcome and wanting something different. And will people really step forward to contribute to something without getting, you know, a 10x return? My belief is yeah partly because I've spent five years saying to people, hey, how about 1100 bucks? and you don't get a receipt and you don't get anything for it? And like, it's about creating a better world. And people are like, sure. <laughs> and most people are like, what the actual? No, I don't think so. What is that thing? But there is something in people that wants that differentness. So I have a, enough experience to, in my life to believe that if you say, this doesn't feel right, anyone else feel that way? That you create a parade. What direction do we want to be going into now around this? Well, I we just have to, it.
0: yeah. We just have to create lots of little parades that just happen to be on Zoom now. And yeah, and connect different. them all together. And then we have lots of little parades and one parade at a time. And trust. I think the thing that we do have to trust is that actually, it's maybe not trust. It's it's hope. None of this is possible if we don't have hope.
1: I'm a little obsessed at the moment with Nora Bateson and her warm data stuff. I mean, she has a lot of really good lines, but one of them that really struck me the other day is the only way to see systems is through a billion sets of eyes, which Mm I really loved because there is no way for me to truly understand what it's like to walk in Tracy Gray's shoes, Black woman entrepreneur in LA. Like I have empathy and I listen to her and I hear her experiences, but they're not my experiences. We have to be in community with, a billion sets of experiences in order to really understand what that world is that we create and stuck in the bubble of whatever, like we're just not going to be creating it. And it's uncomfortable sometimes, but that's where the sort of vitality exists to help us direct ourselves forward. Like I used to ask this question all of the time in our team meetings and I just stopped because people looked at me kind of crazy, but like, what are your pain points this week? That's like it's kind of natural, like BC ish phrase, right? It's like, what are your pain points? You know, how do we solve those? But it, it really is like, where are there blocks in the system? Where are those places that we need to pay attention to? Because if you're in pain, we can remove those. Whereas other people are like, oh, that's but that's my job. So I should be doing that. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's something that's a pain point for you. How do we, someone else will love to do what you hate to do and we'll reorganize things. But that's messy and chaotic. And,
0: and just taking that to a systems level, you're doing a gender analysis of market systems to be able to identify <laughs> <laughs> Damn. It does make
1: sense? Yeah, it
0: does. One one pain point at a time, but with a broad sense that there is a hope that we're going somewhere different. But only if we keep assuming that the way power works right now, who has power and who doesn't, and how the rules are rigged to work for some or others then we yeah. can actually change them because we've made up these rules so we can make up others.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, so can we maybe uh, end on, well, I'll throw this out there and see if it's an end or if it's a beginning of the next talk. <laughs> it's really to your point about the market system and then market systems and all the different pieces. So there was this quote that really struck me when I was reading it the other day. And it's like, where is the problem with gender equality? And the person said, It's in health, it's in media, it's in education, it's in the economy, it's in the relationship between all of those systems. Hmm. That's where the problem is with gender equality. It's between all the systems. Again, we have no way of looking at the relationship between systems because we don't track that and we don't have a data word for it, which is where warm data kind of comes from, right? And so we look at it decontextualized individually as opposed to in the relationship because we have no words and no measurement for it. Which then if you start to think that, you're like, oh, the transition from a way of tracking a certain set of data towards believing that we won't get there unless we get into this some shared vision on how to track that other stuff. Is that the future we go to? I don't know. Like, I, It really resonates with me that it's the relationship between things. Like, I, This is why I love process innovation over product innovation most of the time, because there's so much unlocked value in there. And it's really what will transform things, but it's, it's harder. It doesn't fit in a sentence like Airbnb for cats. It's like all of the different pieces, you know, so. Maybe that's what we pick up
0: when we talk next week. You know, lots of people have, have named that we're not going to have any more discoveries inside of specific fields. We're only going to have discoveries that are cross cross fields, right. That it's those connections. And I think the same is true in You know, in our work in finance, the only way we're gonna get to innovations in finance is if we connect knowledge and experience that isn't currently connected, right? That that is that's that bridging of or it's you know back to the original point of how do we like think about gender and and climate change at the same time, God forbid. For many people, that is too complicated. Focus on the one thing, I've got this one thing going. And I think there's a really interesting balance between You do, to change systems, you have to focus on a system, not the system, because if you try to take on the system, it's just an amorphous blob that you can't figure out how to pick at, but you can get at individual systems one at a time, and that at least is a place to start. Wow,
1: great. Thank you, Joy. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Money and Power series on the Sheo.World podcast with Vicki Saunders and Joy Anderson. If this conversation resonated with you, please share it with a friend and subscribe on your favorite listening platform. To learn more, go to Sheo.World and
1: CriterionInstitute.org.